you may be seated. A couple things that your pastor said I'm going to explain about my wife. It's simple. Grandchildren, and she's Latino. That's why she's not here. It's just that simple. <laughs> and, uh, no, we're here. We have, uh, we have two granddaughters here that we came to visit, Amen. and we are blessed. And uh, God bless you, Jesus' name. I get scared when people charge the pulpit. I don't care how tall they are. Amen. I'm like, what was he packing? <laughs> no, uh, yeah. It was kind of interesting, those announcements. I, I, I'm trying to process this. You mentioned it's at the barbecue place. People went crazy. Then you mentioned it's free and no one claps. I'm like, God bless you, Pastor Dave. Amen. I might just hang out. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I am blessed and great to be here with your new building. I know you guys had a great time uh, with Jose. And uh, my wife spoke at this building, too. And uh, just blessed to be here. And uh, blessed. Love your new name. Love your logo. Love what God's doing. It's time for new beginnings. Can you say amen? Um, I'm going to share the message I just got dropped in my heart not too long ago. I did minister it at my church, but I I didn't want to just preach anything. I I really felt this might, just felt it would be appropriate for this church right now. And um, it's called Stay in the House or Stay in Your Blessed Place. You know, um, I'm going to read a portion of scripture that's, Real familiar, you know, we have those, some stories in the New Testament or the Old Testament. We've heard so many times that sometimes it can sound mundane, if you would, or we can just sometimes check out. But I I really felt the Lord gave me some revelation over uh, this story that I think will give us a, hopefully a better perspective about being blessed and what being blessed really is. And so... I know this is going to get a response. How many came here to hear from the Lord? Amen. And I, and I pray if your heart's open, I believe God will give you a new light, a new perspective. One, I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read the story out of the prodigal son. Uh, but let, let me tell you, you can almost miss it. I don't believe anything, not one period, not a comma, not a paragraph, anything in the New Testament or in the whole Bible is not there unless the Holy Spirit wanted to be there. And, you know, the chapters in the Bible weren't there when they were speaking, when they wrote the letters, the epistles, or the gospels. Uh, later on, that was put there so we can do exactly what I just said. It was for reference. Look to Luke 15, yada, yada, and you would turn to your Bible. That's why it was there. But they were put. In order, they they did write from the manuscripts exactly the order it was. They didn't change the order of what was written. And in this particular chapter, there are three parables, and I believe there, there's a lot here prophetically with this. The first parable is the story of the ninety-nine sheep and the shepherd leaving the ninety-nine for the one lost sheep. The second parable is the one of the woman with the lost coin, and. Uh, she searches all night for, there's 10 coins, she lost one. She searches all night for the lost coin. The third parable is the parable we're going to read from, which is the prodigal son. And if you study that, 
we know the story. The father does not look for his son. And, and one thing personally, as a pastor, uh, God really spoke to me. He said, was I asked him, why, why did the father not look for his son? And, and the other two parables that are in this chapter, the only three parables in this chapter, and, and God spoke to me because I've called you to chase the lost. I have not called you to chase rebellion. This son was in rebellion. There's a big difference between being lost and being in rebellion. So let's get into this. Luke chapter 15, and then I'll read this lengthy part of the story, and then uh, we'll get into the preaching here. To illustrate this point, verse 11, uh, further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed and divided his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, the young, this younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. The young man became hungry, that even the pods uh, he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Uh, Verse 17, and when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and I am here dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring, his fi- bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill a calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. He was lost, now he's found. So... Let the, uh, so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he, told, uh, he, he was told. Your father has killed a fattened calf. And we are celebrating because of a safe return. The older brother was angry. And he wouldn't even go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even a young goat to feast with all my friends. Yet when the son, uh, uh, yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing a fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, You've always, uh, uh, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead, and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Father, I just ask for your grace and your anointing to be upon my lips and the ears and the hearts of your people to speak your word boldly and accurately, and Lord, let everyone leave with a different perspective, God, of the blessed place. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you could one more time. Verse 17 says, when this guy's at his lowest point, the scripture says he, 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 he finally came to his senses. Or the King James Version would say, he came to himself. He came to himself at his lowest point. <laughs> you remember when you got saved? I guarantee you, when you really, really got saved, it wasn't your best day. The day, I mean, the day after was a good day, but the day before you got saved wasn't a good day. That's why you got saved. <laughs> you came to your senses. I need a God. I need a Savior. I need help. I need an answer. I need a solution. I need Jesus. Can you say amen? Now, in this story, you have several characters. You have two sons. You have a father. You have this nameless citizen, if you would, and uh, this, that the younger son attaches himself to uh, in time. And then you have this other character. He's not mentioned by name. He's not even expressed there, but you can see his hand in the story. Four expressed, one implied. I'm talking about Satan, the devil, the adversary. His name's not mentioned, but he is definitely a part of the story. He always drapes himself and hides himself uh, in the dark. He always tries to live in concealment because that's where his greatest power is. As long as he stays invisible, he does his best work in the shadows. Now, the story of the father and his two sons, it's interesting. The younger son said something that we read in our time doesn't seem per se as a bad, a bad deal, but he asked, can I have my portrait? portion of my inheritance. Can I, can I have what's coming to me? But this is a different time. This is 2,000 years ago. This is in the Middle East. And in that time and culture, this would have been a very dishonoring, disrespectful thing. As a matter of fact, it would have been the equivalent of saying, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. So he was not just, just asking for something. He was being dishonoring. And what was his motive? Uh, I mean, you know, right away we think money, greed, and, and he just wants to live a whole different life. But the problem was this, this was not an issue of greed or money. I don't believe that one bit because this is not a story from rags to riches. This man, what, what, this is not a story of him coming out of a poor family in a poor neighborhood and getting money and changing his lifestyle. No, it's not that at all. He, he was born. In a palace. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He, he had servants that helped him bathe, washed his clothes, pressed his clothes, took care of him, fed him. He, he didn't ask his father uh, uh, for his portion because he, he was living poor. Matter of fact, him getting his portion wasn't going to change his standard of living at all. He was born into money. But what he was asking for money. It wouldn't have changed anything in his life. The problem wasn't that he wasn't satisfied. He wanted control of the house. Listen to me. The, the, the problem was he wasn't, just, it wasn't about issue of money. He wanted control. This is a power trip. It's not a story of greed or possessions. He had a lust for power and independence. He was saying, Father, it's, it's not enough that I live in blessings. I want my blessings so I can do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it. I don't want no one telling me what to do. He, he, let me tell you what he had. He had a restless spirit. He had a restless spirit in his blessing, in his safe house. Now, 
Let let me tell you something. I'll get back to that restless spirit in a moment. It was the younger son who said, give me my portion. Yet the fathers, the Bible teaches us, that he gave both sons. He divided it up with both of his sons. Uh, verse 12 says, and he divided unto his, uh, to both of them his living. For, for years I, I, I've wondered, what did that older son get uh, for his payoff, for being faithful? What did he get for his faithfulness? Well, I'm going to tell you, number one, he got to live in blessing. And he also got a gigantic payoff while he's living in blessing. The story says that the elder was already blessed. And when God blesses you, let me tell you something. You don't have to worry about being cursed. Now, I'm just talking to folks hoping, anticipating like normal Christians, you want to walk in blessing. Come on, just pretend like I said we're having a barbecue. Yay! Amen. Hallelujah. For, for Pastor Dave, uh, just pretend like somebody said they'll pay for it. Amen. <laughs> when God blesses you, you don't have to be worried about being cursed. Hell cannot curse what God has blessed. Let me show you, Barak, the, king, uh, uh, the Old Testament king, hired Balaam to send a curse on the armies of Israel. But there was no curse because the angel of the Lord drew a sword because you cannot curse what God has blessed. The devil cannot curse what God has blessed. When you decide in your heart and stand on God's word and realize I am a child of God, a son of the most high, the enemy can't. When you stay in the house of blessing, the enemy can't take you out. Somebody say it out loud. I am blessed. Now tell that person next to you you don't like, I am blessed. You didn't get that. All right. Don't be timid. There is, listen to me, there is power. You know why it's hard for some Christians to even say I am blessed? Because we live in poverty mindset. Well, you know, uh, uh, again, I'm just playing this out. You know, there, there's going to have to come a time that we don't have to talk about, you know, $10 is a lot of money. But it's only a lot of money in church. It ain't a lot of money when you go to Starbucks and get two coffees. It's just so funny. We got to get beyond that and start speaking. I am a blessed man. My marriage is blessed. My kids are. I don't care what I see. I stand on the blessings of God. I stand on word. Our new church is blessed. What God's going to do in the future is blessed. Do we have any blessed people here today? You're not blessed because of what you wore to church today. You're not blessed because the house you live in or the car you drive. You're not blessed because how much money is in your savings account. Those may be a result or symptoms of being blessed, but they're not the root of being blessed. The truth of the matter is this. You can be broke, busted, disgusted, tore up from the floor up, and still be blessed. You're blessed because God is with you and you've remained faithful to him in the good times and in the hard times. You've been with him on the mountaintop and in the valley. You've chose not to leave him because he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. And that is why you are blessed. If you believe that, give him a praise offering right now. 
Our American culture attributes blessing to monetary things, but Jesus said this in the Passion Translation in Luke 12, 15. Speaking to the people, Jesus continued, be alert and guard your heart from greed and always wishing for what you don't have, for your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. Blessed is not always a tangible thing. Hell has, let me say it like this, has a hard time dealing with people who are blessed, who they understand what the Bible truly says. Now, I had to look up the definition of blessed, and I was surprised of how many different definitions. Uh, One is the short prayer before a meal. I need to say something. When you pray over some of those meals, I'm going to tell you, Jesus can raise the dead before he blesses that meal. Some of you need to pray over your meal like this. Lord, forgive me, because I'm going to sin right now. I need your grace. Because God can't bless thinking five Whataburgers and a large chili fry. He just can't bless that. All right? I'm sorry. You know, you can bind the calories, but on the mirror, it didn't work. Hello? All right, but that's one blessed praying over your food. Then the other definition is is, is happy, and, and that's okay. But it's very weak, and it's very seasonal, and it comes from the Latin word. What we it's called hap h a p. But but it, it it gets its root from the word happen in in past tense. In other words, it implies that something needs to happen for you to be blessed. You can be blessed, I'm going to be tell you, in the darkest moment of your life when you know who God is and you know God's with you. In, in the winter, spring, summer, whether it's nice and warm or freezing outside, whether you have money in your pocket or not, you can still be blessed. Hello. You may be weeping today, but rejoice because joy comes in the morning. So what is blessed? It's not just simply being happy. Webster says something interesting. And if you know the story of Noah Webster, why he came up with a dictionary that was like one of the commentaries of a Bible. He literally put the Noah Webster's dictionary. If you get the old editions, there's many scriptures right alongside most of the definitions. It was used to interpret the King James Bible. Uh, But he said this, to make a religious rite. No, no. To make the sign of the cross. But this is the third definition, which I really believe applies to this portion of scripture. It means to invoke divine favor upon. To invoke divine favor upon. You you can tell when a person's blessed because no matter what they go through, they're always coming out victorious. They're always coming out with a smile on their face. They're always coming out still on fire for Jesus. They're always coming out standing on God and not questioning God and getting angry at God or people. I've been through hell and high water, but I made a decision. I am blessed. The Bible says if you're blessed, no weapon on earth formed against you shall prosper. Because when you're blessed, you're blessed. Listen to me. Satan may be attacking you, and and you're not going to, you don't have a job right now, but you are still blessed. Hello. You you may have lost a loved one, but you're, come on. Oh, that was weak. Uh, You don't know how you're going to pay the bills this month, but you are, hello. Your girlfriend left you. 
don't make me, well, it just depends. I guess there's more women than men. Your boyfriend left you. <laughs> Better be a girl. <laughs> I, I, I'm, no matter what the situation is, you can be blessed no matter what goes. And that is a mindset and that is a spiritual posture. That's not just some word of faith. That's not just something we say hypothetically just to make our emotions feel good. You understand this, the devil knows he cannot mess with blessed people. He cannot mess with people that stand under God's protection. In order to get you, to get you, he, the, the real issue is this, the only way the enemy can get you and mess with you is to get you out of your blessed place. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about here. There, there's a misconception about Malachi chapter three about paying your tithes and offerings. You, you know, it never once says God, God doesn't say, I curse you with a curse. It says you're cursed with a curse. It has nothing to do with anything. You know what? It's not even the curse. It's just a curse is the opposite of being blessed. That's exactly what he's talking about. You, you Basically, when you stop trusting God with your finances, you put yourself in that situation because that is the absence of blessing is cursed. This is a cursed world we live in, and you need divine protection. You need divine blessing, and that only comes from the Father. Being cursed is the opposite of God's blessing. Psalms 91, verse, uh, verse 1 in the contemporary English version says, Live under the protection of God, most high. Stay in the shadow of God, all powerful. Then you will say to the Lord, you are my fortress, my place of safety. You are my God, and I will trust you. The Lord will keep you safe from the secret traps and deadly diseases. He will spread his wings over you and keep you secure. His faithfulness will be like a shield or a city wall. You won't need to worry about the dangers of night or the arrows during the day. Why? Because you are under his shadow. You are under his house of blessing. You are under his protection. Oh, come on, folks. That is what Christianity is about. God loves us, and he takes us out of a cursed world and puts us in his kingdom. The devil will do whatever he can to try to get you to do what he did to the prodigal son. I want you to think about it. He's blessed. He's in a palace. Everything he has the father declares to the other son, everything you both of you had always been yours. You're blessed. You never hear any story about them being attacked or going through stuff until they left the house. Listen to me. The devil will try to do whatever he can to get you out of the house. When you stay in the blessed place, you stay in the place of covenant with God. A house of God, your ministry, your calling, your purpose, when you stay in your singleness, listen to me, if your life is not functioning properly, don't quit. Read the word of God. Speak it over your life. Stay in the blessed place. That's what David said. David said this, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock. Don't let anybody move you out of your blessed place. Don't let no social media post. Don't let no YouTube. Don't let no bad review. Don't let your boss. Don't let family. Don't let anyone get you out of what God has for your life. Stay in the house. Stay in the house. Where are you going? I said, stay in the house. I'm just playing with the <laughs> I'm out of here, man. <laughs> 
People who don't stay in the house don't do too well. Just take a moment and think about people that have left God's house, left blessing. Look at their life. And I'm not telling you to look at the filters on Instagram. I'm talking about the, isn't that funny? Remember those, I don't know if you remember, but I don't even, the, the beer commercials? They just show everyone playing volleyball and everyone's having a great time. That, I, I didn't grow up with her. That's not what I remember. You know what I remember? I remember throwing up. I remember waking up like, where am I? I remember bad things. I remember waking up in jail. I remember waking up in, in someone else's house. And I didn't know who that was or what that was that was next to me. The blessed place keeps you safe. The truth is this. When God gets ready to speak to you and you're not there, you're going to miss out. You ever think about doubting Thomas? I mean, the day he misses church, Jesus shows up, resurrected. He's the only dude not there. And he's got the, and, and, you know, people that miss church have an attitude. They do. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody does good not coming to church. You, you, you do good for a while. You do good for a while. You do for, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're, you, you miss so much, you don't miss it no more. And what, and what ends up happening is now Thomas has an attitude. I don't know. I don't believe you guys. Here's his friends, all they've been through. He's seen the dead raised. He's seen miracle after miracle. Now he's got a big old attitude. You can hear about how good it was, but you'll never get the full impact unless you're there. If the devil can get you out of your blessed place, he will cause you to curse yourself. The enemy knew that the only way he could curse the prodigal son was to get him out of the house. So he sent, let me get back to this, a restless spirit. Here we go. And I'm here to tell you, I've noticed something over the last time. People have restless spirits. I'm going to be very, very blunt. I'm going to be very truthful. I know this doesn't happen in Texas, but it happens in Kansas City. People rush to get to church, to sit down, and the minute they get here, they're restless. They can't wait till service is over to get out of that seat to go home and sit in another seat. Sometimes in the middle of service, they go sit in a seat in a little room with water in it. They hurry. I mean, they, we, we, we used to come early and leave late. Now we leave, get, come late and leave early. We hurry back home because we're restless. We're moving in and out of service. We're twitching. Bathroom, looking at our phones, playing video games, texting, looking who's on Instagram, and the word of God's going forth. Holy Spirit's moving. We're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I mean, and we're restless. Don't look, you'll be fine. <laughs> we, we, we sometimes, it, there, there, it says something about our restlessness. Do I want to go or do I have to go? The Bible says they were glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Not they were mad when they said unto me. What happened? Our, our, we're restless. We can't sit still. It's hard. People's attention is so weak and so low. And, and, and ministers come and try to speak the blessing, the word of God, that, that is the only truth, the only for sure truth on planet earth. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man come to the Father but by me. The only way you can be saved is by faith cometh by hearing, right? I don't have enough faith. Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God, but yet we're on our phone. 
But yet we're somewhere else. But yet we're still thinking about the barbecue and the announcement. And you're probably thinking, if you quit talking about it, I'd think about the sermon. I know food doesn't do good with me in church. I start talking about food, then I get hungry. But don't worry, the sermon gets shorter. <laughs> People, I mean, th- this is our whole culture. Look at the commercials. People that are real thin, when they want to eat, they gain weight. Heavy folks want to be thin. Thin people want to be bigger. Bigger people want to be thin. Young people are trying to act older. Older people are wearing tight dresses, trying to look like they're a teenager again. Long hair people cut their hair off. Short people glue their hair on. People that have a job don't want to work. People that don't have a job wish they had one. People who are married trying to get rid of their spouse. And over there in the corner, the singles are saying, throw them over here. I'll take them. I mean, we're restless. Whenever somebody backslides or leaves God's house, think about it. Why? There's always a reason. Yeah, there's an offense and so forth, but it's usually the enemy is outside of the house painting. You don't got to do all this. You don't have to be that sold out for Jesus. You don't have to be that way. Their intention's not that. Your father, why is he holding on to the blessing? He's holding, he should give you everything. And he's out there saying, come out. Like the, remember the movie The Warriors? I love The Warriors back in the day. Warriors, come out and play. That's what the devil's doing to some Christians. Come on outside right now. Come out and play. I tell my church, they walk over to the bathroom so much. I'm like, is there like another preacher out there? Is there like another service going on? I mean, because like, yeah, never mind. I mean, there was a time if you, you know, our grandparents' generation, you, you, you held it till your eyeballs turned yellow. You did not walk out of church. That was disrespectful, dishonoring. We, we used to be, I mean, you, you, if you fell asleep in church as a kid, you got thumped by your parents. Just tell your neighbor he's talking about you. You'll feel better about yourself. What happens is Satan tries to get you restless. L- listen, listen, listen. As comical as I can be about this and, and try to help, help you digest what I'm saying, I'm being very serious. Because every one of us here knows somebody that got restless. Everyone is here, we know somebody that got out of their blessed place. We, we run away from your mission, ministry, your purpose, your blessed place. He knows if you stay in the house, he can't reach you. We had five inches of snow on Sunday before I, I flew out Sunday evening here. And I just made a determine I am never going to cancel a Sunday morning service. I may, if it's bad on a Sunday night or a Wednesday, if we have a bunch of snow or really ice, because we learn, you know, we learn how to drive and that stuff, you know, because, you know, I just know when my people, I see them at the mall shopping or I see them at AMC theater because church was canceled. It's funny. You can drive to that in bad weather, but not to God's house. And here's what happened this Sunday. I'm watching all of these teleprompters, these churches close. I made a decision years ago. I'm not going to cancel Sunday. If you can't make it, I'm not going to get mad at you. Do your best, but I'm going to do that. But the Chiefs played that big old game. 70,000 some people sold out to watch Mahomes run in the snow, freezing. And all those people made it the road. And, and, I, and I get in text, can't make it today. The roads are pretty. You lie like a dog and smell like a rug. You want to watch that Chiefs game in the snow? <laughs> I vented. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> it 
Remember, it said in Psalms 91, live under the protection of the Most High and stay in the shadow of the Almighty. He's like a fortress of my place of safety. The Lord, verse 3, says he will keep you safe from the secret traps and diseases of the enemy. I have a message from God. And that is those who have faith to fight today. Don't underestimate what's happening here even tonight. The danger, I mean, I'm sure, how long you been in this building now? That long? You don't even know? <laughs> Five, six months. Do you remember the first service? Look at me. You remember the first service? You, some of you were here, right? Remember the first service? You you came. Remember how excited you were? Man, let's check. Remember you're ready for people. Yeah, you yeah. You, you, you remember that? And but just in five to six months, we can get real familiar, and we can come to the approach. Just Wednesday, you know that white dude up in Kansas City's coming. Ain't no big deal. We can do that. We can get familiar and, and you know, our, our worship leaders pouring our heart out. And the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. You believe that? Were you singing? Were you worshiping? The Bible says, I, I just need to get close to God. But the Bible says, you draw close to me, then, you, then I draw close to you. It's not the other way around. You know, I had a young man in my church said something so profound to me. I go, I'm going to steal that quote, steal that. He goes, I come to church and worship to try to feel something. And I realized I made worship all about me. It's all about me. I don't feel nothing. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says that. The Bible describes it's about him. So the question is, does your worship, does God feel your worship? Stay in the house. Even if somebody hurts you, stay in the house. You feel wounded and discouraged, stay in the house. You're broke, you're going through financial things, it's Christmas time, stay in the house. Sometimes we just forget how bad it was when we weren't in the house. Like this young man that came to my church. I, man, I, man, of course, it was bad weather. We, now, of course, I have a Jeep that's raised four inches or five inches. I, I'm, like, I'm like, why won't you guys make it? <laughs> I got this like you know, suburban assault vehicle. I, I'm ready for the nuclear war, the tribulation. And no matter if you believe post-trib, I'm ready. And uh, uh, we had a low crowd. But I, I get it. It's, it's the weather. But I had a great group of people. We had you know, whatever. But I had a visitor. I had this visitor, this young man, and I did the altar call. He's balling. He's 22 years old. And he runs to the front, gets saved. And I made a comment. You know, I go, Is, I, go it's, I, I made a comment about the weather and him coming. He goes, I mean, I'm going through it, man. I, 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 I don't care what the was. I, I had to be here. Isn't it funny when you need him? It, it, all those excuses. 
When you're hungry and you're thirsty and when things are going on, you need him. You'll do anything. You understand, I can't wait till next Sunday. I don't care. I'm just use this. I'm, does it snow here anymore? <laughs> I don't even think it snows here anymore, all right? There you go, global warmers, all right? <laughs> oh, don't get all offended. <laughs> uh, listen to me. You know, California, where I'm from, all my friends in Los Angeles don't come to church when it rains. I call that a free car wash in Kansas City, man. We pull our cars out, drive just to get the dirt off. Isaiah 40, verse 30, in the contemporary English says, But those who trust the Lord will find new strength. They will be strong like eagles soaring upward on wings, and they will walk and run without getting tired. This, if you listen to this verse about staying in the house. Psalms 92, verse 12 through 15 in the contemporary English. Good people will prosper like palm trees. They will grow and be strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Listen to it, verse 13. They will take root in your house, Lord God, and they will do well. They will be like trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they're old. Some of you old folks, amen. If you don't, I don't know if I'm old. If you're older than me, you're getting there, right? We're old. But it says even in our later years in life of Christianity, we're still going to be fruitful. And they will say about the Lord always does right. God is our mighty rock. How does it happen? Those who take root in your house, they will do well. Even the enemy will do anything he can to try to get us out. The only wrong with this prodigal son that he did, think about what did he do wrong? He just stepped out of the house. That was it. Like, like I said, it's like that movie, Come Out, Come Out, Warriors. That's all he's doing. I want you, but I can't reach you. And the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. It doesn't mean Christians aren't going to have challenges. But when I got saved, my trials, I'm not alone. I have somebody with me. I have somebody on my side. I have someone fighting for me when I go through things. You know, uh, I, I tried to destroy your mind. And the enemy goes, I just couldn't reach you because you were in the house. That's why you were in that car wreck and he couldn't take your life because he just couldn't quite reach you. Because you're, That's when the hospital, uh, you were there and, and he wanted to take you out, but he couldn't reach you. I, I've been trying to give you a nervous breakdown, but I couldn't reach you. And he's always saying, come a little closer, come a little closer, because he always knows the house wins. The prodigal son listened and he stepped out of the house he left the place of blessing let me tell you why he didn't recognize how good he had it and he walked out into the enemy's territory now let me read you the king james version of luke 15:13 it says and not many days after the younger son gathered all gathered all together and took his took uh, 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 sorry, took his journey into a far country where he wasted his substance on riotous living. And I, I really appreciate the King James translation here because he, he uses the word substance. I understand some other translations 
just refer to money, but I learned something about Hebrew culture here. He, he, he's not, he uses the word substance because, well, if they used money, we're just going to think this is all about getting some cash. The devil will let you keep your substance, uh, uh, but he tries to take your soul. He tries, he'll let you take, keep monetary stuff, but he wants to take who you are. You know, um, when you start fooling around with the enemy, he wants to not just take everything. He wants to take substance of life. And, and the Hebrew word that used there is the word hispa. Hispa. And he wants to take your dignity, your respect, your honor, your anointing, your substance. Now, hear, hear me. It literally means your staying power, your guts, your tenacity, your survival instincts. You, you can lose a job. You can always get another one. You, you can lose a, a girlfriend and get another one. Your, your car can break down and get another one. But if you lose your hispa, your staying power, your will to stick it out with God, he has everything, no matter what is in your pocket or not. That's what the enemy, don't let the enemy steal your substance of who you are. The devil says, come on, you, uh, I need your help to curse you. Just, just play a little bit. Get out of the house. I, I can't do it without you because you are protected by God. God's hand. You know, people like to use that scripture, no hype, no depth, no, no, you know, no demonic thing. Nothing can pluck you out of the hand of God. And I believe that 100% except for... It doesn't say anything about yourself. Salvation is an eternal gift. But Christmas is here. I'm going to give you a gift. You give me a gift. And I say, okay, great, thank you. Here, I don't want it. No one can steal your salvation, but you can walk away and give it up. It's like God's not going to force you to serve him. God's not going to force you to be a son. That's not the way God operates. The devil says, come on, I want to pull you out of that blessed place. You're going to mess you up. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get you out of the house. If you really want to know who you are, here's the big key. Who are you hanging around? Because you can't ignore this other person in the story. The scripture says he attached himself to a citizen of the city. And for the moment, he left the safe place, the blessed place. Everything's fine. He's living with partying with his girls, everything. The Bible says sin's fun for a season. But then it says he attached himself to a citizen of the city. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, he's in a pig pen. Eating the stuff that pigs want to eat. He lost everything. The Bible says a famine, it, his season changed. Don't be fooled when you see people, maybe friends over the years. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? Oh, I'm so happy and blessed now that I'm not going to church or that church. They, they just feel the need to say that six months later. I always tell guys, when you leave, I say, look, here, yeah, I'm not going to stop you. But we'll know if you heard from God in six months, did this decision bring you closer to God or further away from God? Because you cannot lie about time. Time will tell everything. 1 Corinthians 15.33. I'm going to read it in three translations. First, don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. The God's word translation. Don't let anyone deceive you. Associating with bad people will ruin decent people. 
The Living Bible says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. If you listen to them, you will start acting like them. People like this run in packs. Proverbs 13, 20 says in the Passion Translation, if you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked and eventually you'll become just like them. Proverbs 13, 20 in the Message Translation says, because wise people walk with the wise, hang out with fools, watch your life fall to pieces. Now, in a church this size, you guys are very tight and know each other. But, you know, it's funny, backbiters in churches, not here, but other churches, it's always seem they hang out with each other. They, 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 they run in packs. Gossipers sit together in the church. And, you know, you know again, I'm just preaching my message. This was from my church. I'm just dropping it on you. But if the shoe fits, glory to God. <laughs> you know, that's the truth, though. They meet after church. They talk on the phone. They're, they're all, they got their little sayings. They got their little posts. They want to tag everybody in their little drama. They want to make their little comments. You know, uh, you, you know they, they don't like the way ministries run. And they don't think this person deserves to do this. And that person, they got all their little say-sos. And the, the, you know, so I'm, the, here's my last shot. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give you a bloody nose right now. You okay? All right? I mean, if you're a praying person, they don't want to hang around you. If you're a righteous person and you don't, you don't go for that stuff, gossip and slander, you, you say, hey, I don't want to hear that. You're done. You ain't eating with them. You're solo, man. Go get, listen to me. I told my church, listen, that Popeye's chicken sandwich is way better than Chick-fil-A. I don't want to hang around a bunch of religious mean Christians. Jesus would be at Popeye's chicken reaching sinners. That just came out. I don't even know where that came from, all right? Because Christians can be some of the meanest people I know. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Look at me. Look at me. They're some of the meanest people I know. Judgmental, angry. Uh, Kanye, I don't believe him. Man, did they, what do they say about you or your family when you got saved? We're not praying for them. We're P-R-E-Y-N-G on them. Yeah, I spelled it right. All right. Are you understanding? It's bizarre, man. You know, we, we cry, crying over who doesn't. I don't, don't cry. Who cares if someone doesn't click like on your picture in the church? Hello? So God doesn't want you to be around some of those people anyway. It's going to rub off you. Who doesn't call you? Who doesn't visit you? I'm going to tell you right now, there's some people you don't want to visit you. You may be lonely for a season, but at least... You're okay. You can sleep well. You may have to eat by yourself for a season, but at least you can digest your food. Your food. Somebody say amen. Be careful who you attach yourself to. The prodigal son made an unlawful connection. You know, we know the scripture, become, don't become unequally yoked with non-believers. I love the way, listen to what it says in the message translation. So, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 6.17, for all of you note-takers. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you for all myself. Don't connect with people that will pollute your spirit. You need to be careful who you plug into. Because, it, you know, you, uh, well, 
there you go, there's a plug. <laughs> You're going to plug that fan into that cord. It's going to give electricity. It's going to give power. And when you plug into polluted people, that pollution runs into you. Are you getting what I'm saying? The nasty thing you plug into, it's going to pollute you. If you lie down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Hello, I don't need you to hang around someone who's going to discourage me. I am a man of faith, not a man of discouragement. When I'm, I, I mean, I, I, did you tell your church what I'm going through physically? What kind of friend are you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you can pray for me. So uh, uh, I, I got a horrible, and I'm asking you, I'm being serious. I need you guys to pray for me. I got a horrible diagnosis from the doctor. I did a body scan, and I just did it, and they found something on my brain, and uh, I'm going to go back to 23rd to check it out, and they believe this stuff's cancer. They found something on my kidney, and I'm going to have a surgery on the 14th of January. They're going to cut that cancer part out. My gallbladder, they're going to remove. They think they found something on my liver, so I got a lot of stuff going on, and you know, I literally, you know, so I told my pastors, some of my pastors. Then I told my leaders, and I had to stand before my church to pray for me. And then, of course, you, you, I get, you know, my pastor died of cancer, and I get some guy go, oh, no, not again. It's going to happen again. I go, dude, shut your mouth. What the heck is your problem? And, and, and then I'm getting, you know, then the word gets out. The word gets out in the fellowship and all over. And I'm getting texts from friends in California. Hey, bro, you know, no matter what happens. What do you mean no matter what happens? I'm going to get healed. I'm going to survive. I got too many prophetic words over my life to go down like that. I'm not going to speak. I am called a believer, not a doubter. Thank you for clapping. So pray for us, all right? Good report. But listen to me. My, my issue, I'm tell you, I took a body scan. My insurance didn't pay for it. I did that. On, my insurance don't want to pay for that stuff. I paid for it myself, and I did it all on my own, and I'm glad I did because they, I, I got ahead of this thing. But it's just funny how Christians, people of faith, can be so negative. I mean... You, this wonderful congregation, for so many years, as your pastor knows, I've been around longer than most of you preaching behind this pulpit. No matter what the location is, I know the history. If you're new, this is a great church with a great history. If you've been around a while, you know the truth. <laughs> There's been some things, just like in my church. Uh, uh, can we be real? We're not recording, are we, bro? Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Uh, this is not being streamed because I can let it out right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, you know, uh, we, you've been through some things. We've been through some challenges, and, but, but you're here. You're here. So if you're going to go through all the hell that this church has faced over the years and you're still here, let's at least be here believing this is the day that God's going to move. This is the day God's going to heal my children. This is the day that new people are going to get saved. Backsliders are going to repent. God's going to move. We're going to fill this sanctuary. We're going to have multiple Sunday morning service and we'll still plant churches. Don't just be here doubting. I mean, 
you know, I don't need to hang around negative report people. I mean, that's, that's why I came to Jesus. If you're, if you're going to help me, I mean, get on your face and pray to God. If not, shut your mouth and leave me alone. I don't need to hear the garbage. And that should be our posture. But you need to shut the, it was, you can do it as loving as you can. When Sister Juicy Lucy or Stinky Twinky or Brother So-and-So starts talking smack to you, I love you, but shut your mouth. Know your role. Speak faith. You don't like me. I'm leaving in about 20 minutes. The citizens, listen to me. He sent him to go feed the pigs. That's what the world does. The world, you know, it'll degrade you. Especially, let me tell you how bad this was. When I studied this, you know how degrading this was? Jews, and he's a Jew. These are Jews. This is a Jewish story. Jews are not even allowed to raise pigs. They can't even be around swine. And now he's at the bottom of the most cursed place he can be. They were considered a curse. And now he's sleeping with them, eating with them. Once the devil gets you out there, he's going to dog you. Sinful. I mean, you know what? I've been married 31 years. I told my church, you know why I've been married 31 years? Doing marriage counseling to you. I realized, man, I, I'm, I am not walking away from Jesus because you guys are make me go home and hug my wife. Amen. <laughs> it's not recorded, right? <laughs> Proverbs 12, 12, 26. Lovers of God give good advice to their friends, but the counsel of the wicked lead them astray. The devil said, you know, look, look at where you're at now. From the palace, now you're in a pit. Everything was going good. The enemy was salivating. He's with the pigs. He's got mud on his face. A big disgrace. Somebody kicking on. The devil wants, right? And, and then here it comes. Verse 16, Luke 15. And he would gladly be filled his stomach with the pods, which the swine ate, but no one gave anything to eat. He was about to eat the most cursed thing from the most cursed being that the Jews can't be an animal that the, the Jews can't be with. All hell is ready to clap. He almost, listen to me, almost lost everything. In a world, we almost lost it all. And then he says something in verse 17 of the New King James. But when he came to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish here in hunger. He came to himself. There is something inside of every man and woman that God has placed. The ability to reason, repent, and come before God. But he came to himself. Thank God. He told the devil this. What I want you to tell the devil tonight, if you're going through that situation, I changed my mind. I don't want to be here no more. I, can we be real? One prayer, according to Jesus, one prayer can get you from hell to heaven. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. One prayer. In other words, if you find yourself in a pit today, if you find yourself out of a blessed place, you can change your mind. Not weeks, not through a bunch of counseling, not through a bunch of therapy. Just one cry out to God. Devil, I changed my mind. I'm going back to the blessed place. Somebody give the Lord praise right now.
He thought he had him out of the house, but he changed his mind. He thought he got him the backslide, but he changed his mind. He thought all this stuff happened, but he changed his mind. And I'm closing in our story because this is heavy. Listen to what he says. Verse 21, the passion. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted the son. Son, you're home now. I love the way the passion says it. It says he interrupted the son when he said, I'm, God, I'm not worried, I'm not worried, God, just let me, I'll, I'll work for you, Dad. I'm not even worried to call you. And he interrupts him. Oh, I thank God that all the times I've messed up and I feel condemned that Jesus interrupts my life and says, you're still my son. I'll take you back. I know you've been a bonehead for a few days. I know you've been a a pasado for a few times. I know you've been bullheaded a few times. But I will interrupt you. And that's what Jesus does. He interrupts us when we're trying to come back and says, I still love you. Verse 22, turning to his servants, the father said, quick, listen to it. And I looked this up. The passion is amazing on the Aramaic translation. It says, bring me the best robe, the, my very own robe. The best robe in the house is the father's robe. That's the best robe in the house. And what did he do? He, he brings, he said, bring me the robe. What's the robe? It's the covering. It's the anointing. It's the favor. Listen to me. Then he says, place it on his shoulders. Bring, he didn't have to go to a bunch of classes again. He didn't have to crawl and sit in the back row and work his way back up to the front in the church where he feels comfortable to worship. He was instantaneously restored, redeemed, and blessed. Instantaneously. Listen to it. It says, and then it says, bring the ring, and bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let me tell you, I have a ring here, and this theoretically is a signer ring. Okay, this got the north. Mariner star on this ring. And the ring that was here was just not a regular ring. It was a signa ring. It was an emblem of authority where the son can do business. In other words, he'd go to the store and he would stamp his ring and it was charged to his father. Oh, you don't get it, friend. When the father says, listen, put a ring on his finger. He says, you're back restored to my account. You have blessing. You have favor. The same day he came back. The Bible says, go get him sandals to put on. Why? Because he was barefoot. And only slaves were barefoot. You are not a slave to sin no more. You are a son and daughter of God. Somebody thank him right now. Let's prepare for a great feast and celebrate. You were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. Now here's the problem. We call this the parable of the prodigal son. But the truth is, it's, prod- it's the parable of the prodigal sons, plural. Because there's another son who's in the house who doesn't have the heart of the house. I mean, he didn't physically leave with his feet, but he left in his heart. I mean, he sits in service, but his heart ain't here. Let me show you. It says, the elder brother who stayed in the house, he gets angry. He doesn't have the heart of his father. He doesn't have the heart of the blessed place. It says his brother spit his portion. He goes, you're, 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 you're blessing him? He spent his time on prostitutes and wasted money. The, the father answered, yes, 
But, and he goes, you've never done nothing for me. And the father says this, you're blessed and all I've always had has already been yours. So you could be a prodigal son, be here, come to every service and not recognize how blessed you are. They were both, as far as I'm concerned, both prodigal sons. As a matter of fact, here's the truth. The one who stayed in the house was being a hypocritical backslider. At least the other one did it. <laughs> While the younger brother left the blessed place, the older brother forgot how blessed he was. They both needed a revelation of God's grace. He had his portion of his father's inheritance. And he says in verse 31 and 32, the passion says, my son, you're always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It is only right that we celebrate and be overjoyed because your brother was once dead and gone. But now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he's found. So can we take it in for a moment? Because probably when I was preaching about people leaving a blessed place, our mind geared to people who physically walked out of a building. But could some of us possibly be in the house and not have the heart of the Father? Can some of us possibly, do you know there's a revelation in this about the Trinity? In this chapter. Remember I, I told you, there's three parables. And I, I don't believe, the Bible says all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke these parables and I believe he's revealing the need of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, through the, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. The Son is the good shepherd seeking and sacrificing to find the one lost sinner. The Spirit seeks the lost like the woman needing a light to illuminate the house to find that coin, and then she found it. The Father is welcoming, welcoming home the backslider, returning back to the house. It's the same work of the Trinity to be brought back in Matthew 28, 19, that we baptize him in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You don't lose anything serving God. You don't lose anything serving God. I want to challenge you. I'm very blessed. I hope you catch this. I'm just going to... I'm very blessed... To preach here. Not because of them. I mean, they're like big friends of ours. They stay at my house every time they're in Kansas City. And like he's got his favorite restaurants and barbecue and all that in KC. I mean, I know I know exactly what he wants to eat when they come to my house. I know exactly what Bunny tells me not to feed him. They're our friends. They have their own little place down where they stay. But I am so blessed to preach here because you're still here. Because it's still here. You cannot let the prodigal son left and came back with condemnation. The father put the robe, the ring, the shoes and said your identity is not going to be your past. One voice church, your identity is not the past challenges. 
your identities in the kingdom and what God wants to do in the future of this place. Come on, can we thank the Lord that we're still in the blessed place? Oh, Jesus, we love you. Maybe you're here, you're not saved.